Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Oh, good morning, church. It's good to be with y'all today in worship. Man, wasn't the worship band fantastic this morning? Just leading us in worship as always. Just can't talk enough good things about them. Uh, man, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series where we've been talking about four psalms for peace. We've been talking about peace and where to find peace, especially in the midst uh, of where life kind of throws us a curveball, right? Uh, we go to open the saran wrap and the thing just goes on for like 30 whole seconds, right? Uh, and so this morning, what we're going to talk about is something that's kind of become a little bit of a, uh, a buzzworthy topic in our culture today, but it's something that has, has always been an issue that we needed to be mindful of, but it's kind of taken on the forefront as of late. Uh, we're going to be talking about our mental health today, right? How our mental health and our spiritual health kind of uh, inter- intersect and cl- uh, collide with one another you know, it's something that we hear about all of the time in the news and in the media. Uh, you know, if, something does somebody, if someone does something unthinkable, one of the first questions that gets asked is, uh, well, what was the state of their mental health, right? Uh, or we see an athlete that needs to take a break and he steps away from competition and they cite, well, I need to just, I need to focus on my mental health right now. And we are told constantly that we need to focus on our own mental state, our own mental health, so that we can avoid the burnouts or the breakdowns uh, or the eventual crash uh, that we will experience when we're not paying attention to what our, what our mental state is. Tell me this morning if you've heard this phrase before, that it's okay to not be okay. <clears throat> yeah, show of hands. You've heard that phrase, it's okay to not be okay. You know, it, it's become kind of like a rallying cry for our culture these days. Like Mel Gibson in Braveheart, he had his rallying cry like, for freedom, and they all go chase after the bad guy. Could you imagine if he yelled from the hill like, it's okay to not be okay, and then takes off down the hill. Like, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the results would have been after that, but like it's kind of become a rallying cry for our culture that it's okay to not be okay, and it is. It is okay for us to not be okay, right? It's okay for us to struggle. It's okay for us to process through and deal with the hurts and the hardships, to mentally wrestle with the things that are going on in, in our world, but also the things that are going on inside of us. We, we all do it, right? Like the sin and the brokenness of our world almost doesn't give us a choice in the matter, right? We all know, <clears throat> excuse me, we all know that God has a plan and he has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. But when that plan kind of starts to go sideways or, or we start to trip up through, through no fault of God's, right? Because God is consistent and he's faithful and he's always in control and he always has been. He is now and he always will be. But when the things of this world start to trip us up and, and kind of uh, divert us off the plan that God has for us, we're often left to kind of wonder, like, what in the world is going on, right? Like, is, are, are things ever going to get better, right? Like, we're left to struggle, like, deep inside of ourselves and in our minds, like, all the ways that things have, could have gone differently, right? And oftentimes, we find ourselves kind of spiraling in this perpetual spiral that doesn't ever feel like it's really ever going to end. Um, Kevin last week and, and Justin the weeks before have kind of touched on uh, wh- what do we do when, when we feel like the, the walls of life are closing in on us, like the things of this world are, are closing in on us. Where do we find peace? How do we process through that? How do we deal with those things? Well, y'all, we wouldn't even have to talk about those things if life was all picture perfect and dreamy, right? Like, so it's okay for us to not feel okay with the things that are happening to us, with the things that are happening in us, 
it's okay for us to feel that way. But here's the catch, and here's the, the fine print that we often miss at the bottom of the label, right? So what are we going to do when we are not okay? What are we going to do with that, right? What are you going to do after you've shouted out, I'm not okay, right? I think too often we find ourselves being complacent with not being okay, right? We shout out that rallying cry. We're like, I'm not okay. Everything is not okay. And then we just stay that way. We don't seek to change anything about that, right? And it's okay for us to not be okay, but it's not okay for us to be okay with not being okay, right? Let's say that five times fast, right? (laughs) Essentially, it's okay for us to not be okay, but it's not okay for us to stay that way. Right? It's not okay for us to just be happy and, and complacent with being in this perpetual state of not okay, with feeling like everything is falling apart. And why is that? Because God has peace and God has hope for us. If we seek it out and we search for it, if we push through the deep, dark, scary parts of our own minds and the things that are going on inside of us, on the other side of that, God has peace that's waiting for you. And it's so much better to find and live in that peace than to find and live in the mental instability that we find ourselves in so, so often. And so this morning, what we're going to do is you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 51. We're going to be in Psalm 51 today. We're going to jump around this chapter just a little bit. uh, But I first want to set up Psalm 51 for you today and kind of about who's writing the psalm and kind of what's going on. Um, and so Psalm 51 was written by King David, right? We all know who, most of us know who King David is, right? Like he's a man after God's own heart. He's like the greatest king the Bible has ever seen, second only to Jesus himself, right? But man, did this guy have some ups and downs in his life, right? Like you can read through the Psalms and read the Psalms that David has written. You can read through the books of First and Second Samuel. It's packed with all of the different things that David had to go through in his own life, uh, and like, I feel like if we want to start a study on mental health, all we need to do is open up to the Psalms that David wrote, right? Because he just pours out all of his emotions, all of his thoughts onto paper for us to read and to process through. Um, and Psalm 51, it, it's no different. Uh, David has kind of just done the unthinkable. And I know most of our kids' ministry is with us this morning. So for the sake of content, we'll kind of skim the setup here a little bit. Um, but David has just made all of the wrong decisions with a lady named Bathsheba, right? He's just made all of the wrong decisions, and then he covers it all up, and he thinks that he got away with it, right? He thinks that he got away with all the heavy stuff that has just transpired, Um, and, and God goes to the prophet Nathan and says, Nathan, I need you to go talk to David. I need you to tell him he didn't get away with it. I know exactly what he did, and he needs to come talk to me, right? And so Psalm 51 becomes kind of David's like, uh uh-oh letter, right, you know? Or more more aptly, it's it's rather kind of like a ripping open of his soul and pouring out all of his his mental and his spiritual, but also his physical brokenness before God. And and push push the sin side away from a second. This is not a sermon to say that your sin causes mental uh, mental health issues. That's not what we're going for this morning. So push that aside. But I want you to put yourself in David's shoes for just a moment and imagine the mental instability that he must have felt. He had just made one of the worst decisions he could have ever made. He covered it up. He thought he got away with it. And then his entire world comes crashing down and realizes, I didn't get away with any of this. And God is disappointed in me, right? And Nathan comes to David, and he's like, hey, David, how's it going, man? He's like, oh, I'm great, Nathan, how are you? Uh, good. 
Um, so here's the thing. God called me up and told me you did awful things, and he wants to talk to you, and he's going to punish you, and uh, I, uh, we'll see you at the temple later, right? All right, okay, cool. And he walks off. Yeah. Like, could you imagine the kind of state that David must have been in mentally, spiritually, knowing that, man, what kind of brokenness he must have felt and experienced in that moment, the emotional guilt that he had, the emotional instability he must have had floating around his head in that moment. And so with that as kind of our foundation of what we are going to do with not being okay, to find ourselves in a place of complete mental instability, right? When we're focusing on our mental health, with that understanding, we're going to jump into Psalm 51 and kind of see uh, what pathway that we can take back to God this morning. So Psalm 51, uh, verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions and wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. So let's pause right there real quick. So I took it easy on y'all this morning, very stereotypical three-point sermon, and each point is just a single word, all right? So if you can't remember these three words, you probably slept through church today, and you should never sleep through church, right? Never sleep through the sermon. Uh, But like, how do we move from not being okay to being okay? How do we move from everything feels like it's just completely falling in around us to a point of experiencing God's real peace and real hope? Well, the first word is speak. How do we move from not okay to okay? We have to speak. You know, our go-to tendency a lot of times when we're feeling the strain of of mental uh, instability is is to often retreat inside of ourselves, right? Much like David does in his circumstance, he retreats inward. He thinks that he got away with it. He doesn't go to confess. He doesn't go to talk through what the things that are that he's dealing with. He kind of retreats inward. He tries to keep it all a secret, keep it all inside of himself so that nobody else can know what's going on in his heart and in his mind. I don't know about you, but that definitely sounds familiar to me. Like someone says something that upsets me uh, or I get bothered by something, more often than not, I don't react physically. I don't react audibly or with words, but you better believe I'll go home and I'll replay that conversation over and over and over for years down the road of like, what in the world? Like, what could have gone differently about that conversation? Or I'll walk into a conversation with a friend and I'll say something dumb because I can't help it, right? Or I'll say something out of context and that person will leave the conversation. There's that awkward tension there and I'll begin to wonder like, man, did I just ruin that friendship? Did, did I break any emotional equity I had with that person? What if they tell everybody else? I'm never going to have a friend for as long as I live. Like, it, the it spiral just keeps going down and down, right? Like, I don't know if any of y'all feel that, too. I feel like somebody will in this room, but, like, you've experienced those same kind of, those, those mental uh, conversations that you have with yourself internally. But look what happens. The prophet goes to David, and he says, hey, David, dude, you messed up, man, and, and you got to go talk to God, because yikes, right? Like, you, you need to go and talk to God, and what happens after that? Does David continue to internalize and keep all these things to himself? No. He goes to God, and he breaks down all of the walls that David has put up around himself. He breaks them down, and he says, hey, God, I'm a mess. God, I messed up this time. You know what I did. You know my sins. 
all the things in my heart that keep me away from you. God, you're justified to wipe me out, to punish me for all of these things, but God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my soul. Verse 1, he says, according to your great compassion and unfailing love, God, forgive me. Wash away my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me of the brokenness that I have inside of me. David knows that, hey, I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the thick of it right now. I'm in a bad place physically because of my sin, but now mentally and spiritually because of trying to cover those things up in my life. And and there's only one way that I'm going to be able to push past it and find myself back to where God wants me to be. I've got to go and talk to God. And y'all, we need to learn that lesson too, that when our, our mental state or our spiritual state is in a bad place, we have to speak up. Right? We, we need to find somebody in our life that is going to call us up out of our mess. The most important thing we need to do is we need to be talking to God. Right? We need to be praying without ceasing. We need to be speaking to Him on a regular basis. Because I'll tell you this morning, if you're not praying to God, there's worse places that you can find yourself. The slippery slope keeps going if you're not talking to God about where you find yourself in this moment. But it's also important that we find people around us people and wise counsel that can bring us up out of that mess, that can point us back on the right path, that won't let us stay in this state of not being okay, right? David had Nathan. He had Samuel before him. He had wise counselors and and advisors in his life that said, hey, you need to get back right with God. You need to do these things if you want to get out of those dark places. And y'all, we need that too. We need more mature Christians in our life. We need more people in our life that are farther along in their faith that can call us up out of where we find ourselves. And I say more mature and further along on purpose because as a new Christian, a lot of times new Christians are, oh yeah, everything's great. Life is wonderful, right? But when you've been in your faith for a while, you can see that life is not always wonderful and not always great, right? They've been through it and they can help pull you out of it because they've been through it themselves, right? And I'm going to give you permission this morning. Here's your stamp of permission. Talking to a Christian counselor is okay, right? It is not a stigma. It is not weird. It is not something to be avoided. Talking to a Christian counselor is a good thing. There's a whole slew of them. I'm clocking them right now as I'm looking around the room of Christian counselors here in our church that would love to talk to you and bring you up out of the places that you find yourself, put you back on the right path, and help you discover what it is that God's plan is for your life. You have permission to talk to a counselor. It is okay. And on the flip side, you have permission to talk to a pastor. It is okay. Again, I'm looking around the room and clocking them right now. There's some pastors right here in this church that would love to talk to you and help equip you and help encourage you and help you pull you back to where God wants you to be. The the key thing to note here is you can't suffer in silence. Don't suffer alone in your own head. It's not always the best place to be in our own heads, amen? Don't suffer in silence. We need to speak up. We need to find someone who's going to point us back to God. We need to talk to God himself and ask God to carry us through the moments that we need him the most. Jump back into Psalm 51 and verse 7. It says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and block out all my iniquity. And create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
So the first word, if we're going to go from not okay to experiencing God's peace, was to speak. We need to speak up. The second word for us this morning is we need to seek. S-E-E-K. We need to seek. After you've spoken up, after you said, hey, I'm not okay, what do I do with that now? You seek healing. You seek out redemption. You seek the peace that only comes from God. Right, you and I can talk all day long uh, about how much we're hurting and, and how much we want to be better, but if we're not willing to take action on top of that, I dare say that nothing will ever change for you. You'll always find yourself in that same rut if you're not willing to do something about it. All right, let's, let's talk about exercise for a minute, right? Exercise. You, you, you hate to love it, or more accurately, you love to hate it, right? Like, does anybody lo- like exercising? You're not telling the truth. That's bad in church, right? <laughs> Nobody likes to exercise, right? Running 19 miles on a treadmill at 5 a.m. when I still have to get up the kid and get her dressed and get her fed and get her to school on time so that I may get to work on time, all while being miserable and hot and sweaty and tired after running 19 miles on the treadmill. That sounds awful, right? Like, I feel like that's a torture tactic they're going to use in hell. Uh, really and truly, that's the way I feel about it. Stop telling me to do cardio, right? Like, uh, <laughs> no, if I gave you two options, if I gave you option A, you could eat whatever you wanted, right? It wouldn't affect you one bit. You would look exactly the same. Your clothes would fit exactly the same. You would stay healthy, and you can eat whatever you want. That's option A, right? Option B, everything stays the same the way it is now. You can't eat what you want, right? It's not called a chicken biscuit. It's called a thicken biscuit, right? Because it goes straight right here. Like, those are your two choices. You can eat whatever you want. Give me all the thickened biscuits and nothing's going to change. This shirt's still going to button up. Or everything stays the same now and I have to work out and go to the doctor and get checkups and all these other kinds of things. Like, which one are you going to choose? You're going to choose option A, right? Like, I'm going to eat whatever I want, right? Running is only good for one thing if you were being chased by a dinosaur. And dinosaurs (laughs) no longer exist except for in the movies. So seriously, stop telling me to run, right? Like, what is the reality that we live in, though? Where, Where do we actually live, right? If you want a healthy system, you have to do something about it. If you want your clothes to fit right, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to get in shape, and all of a sudden your t-shirts start fitting better, right? It, it doesn't change anything about what's going on internally. If you want your clothes to fit better, you've got to get on the exercise bike. You've got to pay $29.99 a month for some random trainer half across the world to yell at you and tell you that you're not pedaling fast enough, right? If you want the gains, you've got to lift the weights, right? And like pump you up, right? You've got to do something about it. For David and his own mental health, for him to be found back to where God wanted him to be, where David wanted to be, he couldn't just go to God and talk about it. He couldn't just go to God and say, God, hey, I'm sorry. He had to make the effort to change. He goes to God and God, he says, cleanse me, God. God, crush these bones and then make the bones rejoice that you broke them down. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Remove all of this brokenness and the shame from my heart but give me a steadfast spirit, something that I can rely on when my body and my feet fail. He says, don't take away your presence from me. Don't take away your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation so that my spirit continue to push on, that my spirit will be willing to continue on when everything else feels lost. David doesn't just talk the talk in this moment. David begins to walk the walk. He cries out to God, yes, God, I'm sorry, I need your help. But then he seeks out God's strength and says, I need your help to keep going. 
I don't want to just stay right here. I need to push forward, God, and I need your strength to do that. He makes the effort to, uh, to change. He seeks out God to sustain his spirit, to change him from the inside out so that he no longer feels the guilt and the shame and the suffering that he has found himself in. But he wants to experience God's joy, the joy of God's salvation. He wants to experience the peace that only comes from being right with God. We need to seek out God's salvation. We need to seek out the joy of God's salvation. We need to seek out that peace and flood that into our minds and our hearts. And not let the other nonsense that wants to tear us down flood in. We need to fill ourselves up so much with God and make an effort to be closer to God so that we hear Him the loudest. We need to seek Him first and make an effort to pull ourselves out of that state of not being okay. Back in verse 16, it says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, O God, will not despise. So we have to speak up. We have to seek out. And the last word we have to do is trust. We have to trust God. You know why it's okay for you to not be okay? Because God has got you when you're not okay. You know why it's okay for you to feel broken and for you to feel all the the stress and pressures of this world? Because God has never turned his back on you. God has never turned his face on you. David knows in this moment that trusting God knows, he knows that God is going to be found in those dark places. That God has never turned his face. He's never turned his back on David. He can trust God that he always will have grace for his life. And he can trust that when he has nothing else, when all hope, when all peace, when all calm, when all stability, when all of these things are completely gone and David feels completely empty, he knows that he's not because God has never left. God is still right there with him. The reason that we cannot be okay, that we are able to not be okay, is because in our brokenness, that's when God does his best work. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says, His grace is sufficient because His power is made perfect in our weakness. Y'all, we can trust God with our mental hurt. We can trust God with the struggles that we face. We can trust God with the hurtful voices we hear in our minds telling us that we don't measure up. We can trust God with the emptiness that we feel so often because God is always there. God is always there with us. And I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but y'all, God is the strong one in this relationship. You don't have to be the strong one in your relationship with God. Because in our weakness, his power is made perfect. You can trust that God is and always will be strong to carry you through whatever it is that you are facing. You know, I find myself becoming a very... um, stereotypical pastor when I get up here to preach because I'm always telling stories about my kid. Um, So surprise, we're going to do another story about my kid today. Um, But how many of y'all, whether your kids are still really little or whether they're fully grown adults now, um, you used to read stories to your kids before bedtime, yeah? Most everybody? 
Um, so Riley always loves uh, reading a story uh, and, and singing songs and saying prayers before bedtime every night. Uh, and a couple, couple weeks ago, she pulled this book off the bookshelf I'd never seen uh, before, so I'd never read it. Honestly, I don't really know where we even got it. It was just on her bookshelf. Uh, but she pulled it out, and she said she wanted to read this one. And, I mean, it was, it was a thick book. Like, it was really long, and it didn't rhyme at all. I'm like, no, we're not going to do that, right? Like, you just don't want to go to sleep. Let's pick one of, like, the four pagers that rhyme, and everything just goes together. And, like, you read it in five seconds. Like, no, okay. Um, so I said, okay, that we would read through it. And, uh, and I kind of want to share the story of the book with you all today. I think we've got some pictures to throw up on screen uh, so you all can follow along. This book was about these, these little wooden puppets who all lived in this village together. And each of these puppets were called Wemmicks. All right, so the puppets were called Wemmicks, and each puppet looked different. Some were tall, some were short, um, some were round, some were skinny, right? Uh, some were able to do really cool things like jump really high or uh, do, do rolls and cartwheels. Others were really, really smart, uh, and, and no matter what they look like, each of these Wemmick puppets were made by the same woodcarver, right? The same maker made all of these Wemmicks, right? And each Wemmick, you can see in the picture, had a sheet of gold stars and a sheet of gray dots. And every time a puppet would do something impressive, right, they would jump really high or they would say something smart, uh, they looked uh, like they were well-made, the puppets would give them gold stars, like a gold star for a good job. Um, but if a puppet said something dumb or tripped over his words or maybe he tripped and fell on his face or uh, they just didn't look as nice as some of the other puppets, they would get gray dots. Right? And so one of the puppets, he only got gray dots. Right? His name was Punchinello. Right? Long name, Punchinello. But he would only ever get gray dots. Right? If he tried to say something intelligent, he would just sound dumb and people would laugh at him. Gray dots. If he would try to jump really high and be uh, athletically impressive, he would fall down on his face. They would laugh and they would give him gray dots. And gray dots are the only things that he ever saw to the point that he didn't want to go outside anymore, right? Like he was kind of ashamed of all the gray dots that were put on him. And, and one day, as, he, as he's in hiding now so that people don't see his gray dots, he sees another uh, Wemmick walk by and she's got no gold stars and no gray dots. And so he hurries outside to go and talk to her and says, how is this possible? How do you not have any stars or dots? I don't, I don't want these gray dots. They make me feel bad. Like, how do, you, how do you do that? And she told him it's because she went to the maker's house. And she went and spoke to the maker of all the puppets, and he taught her how to make the stars and the dots just fall off when people tried to stick them to her. And she said, you know what? The maker can do that for you. All you have to do is go talk to him at his house. And Punchinello thought, you know what, I doubt that's actually true, right? That, that sounds too good to be true. I, I, I don't believe it. And so he goes back into hiding. But after some time, he, he gets to the point where he can't take it anymore and decides to go on to the maker's house. And um, so he goes up to the maker's house and he walks in and he hears this deep voice call out his name, Punchinello, right? And he's scared at first because he's never met the maker, but the deep voice reassured him, hey, everything's okay, right? I'm the maker. And the maker scoops him up and tells Punchinello, like, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so glad that you've come to talk to me. Like, of all the puppets that I made, you were one of my uh, most cherished creations. I made you exactly how I wanted to make you. You're such a special creation to me. And Punchinello asks the maker, he says, maker, how do I get rid of these gray dots? Everybody's putting stars and dots on everybody, and, and all I get are dots, and they just make me feel bad. 
And the maker looks at him and says, well, when you're not worried about what others think, when you're only worried about what I say, the stickers won't stick anymore. The stars and the gray dots, they'll fall away. All you have to remember is that you are an important creation, that I created you exactly the way I wanted you to be. Remember how deeply loved that you really are. And he sets down Punchinello, and Punchinello begins to leave, and he doubts it at first that it can be so simple to just listen to the maker and trust that he is who he is supposed to be. But he agrees to try, and he begins to leave the maker's house. He thinks for just a split second, maybe it's true. What if the maker really did love me just the way that I am? And you can see in the picture as he passes through the doorway, one of his gray dots falls off of him. Y'all, we live in a world that's got a lot of gold stars and a lot of gray dots that want to stick themselves to us. There's a lot of labels, there's a lot of successes, there's a lot of insults, there's a lot of hurts, there's a lot of adorations, there's a lot of mental instability, mental brokenness, sinfulness, there's a lot of things that's being thrown at us constantly and it wants to stick to us and tell us exactly who we are and what we are worth. And I think one of the reasons that we find ourselves so often not being okay is because we've put too much stock into those gold stars and those gray dots in this world. We've put too much stock into what this world tells us that we should be, what we should think, how we should feel, what we should do, where we should go. We've put too much stock into that. But God, who's rich in mercy and love, he tells us, hey, you are a treasured creation. You're a labor of love to me. I created you exactly how I want you to be. And I want you to have a relationship with me. If you ever wonder how much God loves you, he sent his son to be a sacrifice for you, for your salvation, so that you can have a relationship with God. That same God tells you that you were created just the way that he wanted you to be created. He handcrafted you and brought you into this world for a purpose. And the only thing that matters for us, the only thing that should matter for us is how we are viewed by that loving creator God. Y'all, if we want to experience freedom and peace, knowing uh, that our mental state and our spiritual state is totally in sync and, and, and measured up to where God wants it to be, we need to listen to God and listen to God only. Not those voices we find inside of our head, not the voices in this world. We need to listen to God. We need to listen to Jesus only. Notice in Psalm 51, David, in his agony and, and his turmoil, he doesn't go to anybody else. When Nathan says, hey, you need to get right, you need to go and talk to God, he doesn't say, well, Nathan, can you just, can you hang back and talk to me for a little bit? No, he goes immediately and he talks to God. He finds himself back in the presence of God to pull him out of that place that he has found himself in. And I think it's interesting to note, too, that when, even when Punchinello goes and talks to the maker, not all of his gray dots fall off at once. Just one falls off. Because in that moment, in that small moment of belief that maybe my maker cares about me so much and that his opinion is the only one that matters, it, it was enough to change something that every one of those puppets thought was permanent. Even in 50, Psalm 51, David goes to God and cries out to him. It doesn't erase all of the struggles that he'll face in life. It doesn't erase all of his gray dots immediately. He still has to go through some stuff. 
But God constantly is there reminding him, David, I've got you. When you find, your place, find yourself in a place of mental brokenness, David, I've got you. When you're spiritually broken, David, I've got you. When we find ourselves in a place of mental or spiritual brokenness, you can hear God's voice saying, I've got you. You can feel those gray dots begin to fall away because you hear God's voice saying, I've got you. It's okay for you not to be okay because I am okay because I am God and I've got you. Y'all, in our life, you and I are going to experience moments where we are not okay. It's a fact. It's going to happen and it's okay that those things happen. But the more that we speak up and the more that we cry out to a God who is always there listening for us. And the more that we seek out a steadfast God who is always in control and will always be there when we go and ask him for help. And the more that we trust in a faithful God who has always been present in our lives and always will be there. The more that we do those things, the more those gray dots will fade. The more that mental anguish, the more that mental hurt will begin to fade away. The more that brokenness will start to disappear and we'll begin to experience the hope and the peace that God has for each and every one of us. Y'all, it's okay for us not to be okay. But God has okay waiting on us. We just need to seek him out. We need to speak up to those around us. And we need to trust that God has a plan and a purpose that's far better than not okay. Y'all pray with me this morning. God, we come before you today and, and God, I thank you that we have a place that we can come and we can worship you, God, but we can also come into this place with our brokenness and with our hurts, God. And it, it's, it's not something that we carry in and then we carry back out with us, God, but it's something that we can put upon your shoulders because you're strong enough to carry it. God, we need you now more than we've ever needed you. And you are always there. You're always there with us. God, help us to seek you out. Help us to speak up when we're not feeling good, when we're not feeling okay. Help us to know that, God, it's your strength that carries us on. God, be with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.